Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 2-1 defeat at the hands of Leicester City. Luke Thomas scoring in the 10th minute, Mason Greenwood equalized in the 15th, but Soyonchu won it for Leicester with a 66th minute header. Carl, I mean, it's hard to feel any way about this game. The the biggest downside is probably the fact that Man City clinched the title as a result. But in terms of the table, United still very comfortable in second position. Um, if anything, you can celebrate a little that it makes life that much more difficult for Liverpool. Vivek, you are correct. I don't like Manchester United losing. But if there was ever a time to drop some points, now would be it. There's a, There's a couple of reasons why. Apart from the obvious Liverpool one that you mentioned, making their life a little harder, it also makes West Ham's life a little harder to get into the Champions League. Why is that important? Well, if West Ham don't make the Champions League, there is a better chance of us getting Declan Rice if we were to go down that route. If they were in the Champions League, Declan Rice is more likely to stay and say like, hey, you know what, let me play a season in the Champions League with West Ham. You kind of saw that with Jack Grealish, right? They, they stayed in the Premier League and that had a impact on his price tag so i think you know for some of these reasons looking at the big picture this isn't a bad result we'll get to a lot of big picture topics in just a second but looking at this match we have to talk about united starting lineup obviously leicester city they go with their expected 3-4-2-1 uh, formation no surprises really jamie vardy and Ianacho. Up front, you had Ndidi in there, all the usual suspects. Uh, if anyone was missing in the starting lineup, it was probably Madison. Obviously, Harvey Barnes is injured. But looking at United, I mean, I'm going to read all the names out. Usually, we talk about the changes. There are 10 changes, so I'm just going to read out the entire 11. You had David De Gea in net. You had Brandon Williams, Eric Bailly, Axel Twanzebe, and Alex Tellez in the back. Donny van de Beek and Nemanja Matic in the CDM roles. You had Ahmad Diallo, Juan Mata, and Elanga right behind Mason Greenwood up top. We did not come close with our predictions. Yeah, I was actually just going through our predictions, Vivek. The only ones we got right was Mason Greenwood, Donny van der Beek, Matic, Bai, and Telles. And then me and you had a debate on David De Gea and Henderson, but uh, definitely didn't have Elanga on the team sheet. <laughs> But what did you make of it? The youngsters getting an opportunity. Uh, I, I would say, if anything, I would have expected that opportunity to come against Roma with that four-goal advantage from the first leg. Wasn't the case, but here we are in a situation, and now in hindsight, maybe you look at this and say, yeah, maybe this was the lowest leverage of the lot to give them that chance. Yeah, you look at you look at it. This couldn't have come against Aston Villa just because it would have meant that United's playing their their A team for two consecutive matches with only a day's rest in between. And that's just a recipe for disaster. So you were right. It either had to come against Leicester or Roma. And given how badly we needed to make a, a, semi, a final, all I didn't want to take any chances against Roma. And that left this fixture. So I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. Having said that, I was happy to see some of these changes. I was very happy to see Ahmad Diallo start a game in the Premier League. I was very happy to see Donny van der Beek get a game from the beginning to show what he's got. 
I also wanted to see what the back line looks like with Eric Bailly partnering someone other than Lindelof. So we got to see that with Tuan Zebe. And so it gave us a glimpse into Manchester United's squad depth, which is something that I know we'll get into a little bit later, but it's extremely important to have that depth if you're challenging for a title, which we hope to be doing next season. What were your thoughts, Vivek? I think, you know, in terms of the squad depth, it's easy to see what weaknesses need to be uh, addressed because, frankly, the defense was at sixes and sevens with with some of the uh, Leicester attacks that we saw. We can safely say that Donny van de Beek is a square peg in a round hole in that CDM role. Although at the same time, that is probably the clearest path that he has to the team, to the starting 11. You think about the left side. Well, Marcus Rashford is there. Paul Pogba has played very well in that position. You think about uh, the number 10 role. Bruno Fernandes is there. So how can he get into the team? It's the CDM role. And, Maybe we can talk about that connectivity between the back four, between Donny van de Beek, because if he is going to be in that role, he needs to show that he can do what Fred and Scott can't do consistently. And that is link up the defense to the attack. And for me, far too often, there were times where United gained possession and he had the ball and he wasn't able to provide that link up play. And, you know, here and there, there were opportunities where he was able to get the ball further up the pitch. But most of the time, he sticks to his comfort zone, which is those small triangles, those short passes. And I don't think it caters to United's best attacking options. It was disappointing, to be honest, his performance. Because you you take, for example, Bruno Fernandes. He came into this Manchester United team... At the start of 2020 in January, he didn't know anybody. He was signed and he was in the Wolves team like a day or two later. Sorry, against Wolves a day or two later. And then the one thing you saw from Bruno, it didn't matter how long he had been the team. He was going to play his game. He was going to kick balls to places where the players he expected them to be. And then they learned over time. That takes guts and that takes mental fortitude. Donny van der Beek is not exhibiting any of those features whatsoever. He's taking the safe option. He's playing those nice little one-twos in areas of the pitch where it doesn't matter. Yes, he's playing a CDM, so that's why he's there. But at the same time, he does have the option to play that forward ball. There were many options in today's game where he just didn't do it. You had Mason Greenwood, who was in form. Ahmed Diallo looked really good. I must say, Elangana didn't show the nerves that you'd expect from somebody who's coming from, you know, the under-23s to the first team. And he 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 performed quite well. And I just expect, Donnie, if you are a world-class player, you play for the Dutch national team, which is not easy to do. And he just wasn't able to showcase what he's all about. We know he has an eye for a pass. Just try it. You fail, it's okay. Bruno had a lot of misplaced passes when he first joined the team. It didn't let it slow him down. He just kept going and going. And then you saw it. It clicked eventually. And that's what we expect from Donny. For me, the difference is right now and from the beginning, Bruno has that belief, right? I will will pass the ball seven, eight times 
but one of them will create a goal. One of them will be a moment of magic and it will work out. But Van de Beek, it's almost like he's on the opposite end of it. And he's like, I don't want to make a single mistake. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the dilemma he faces. That's obviously where confidence plays a huge factor. Your own leadership attributes play a factor where it's like, hey, are you going to just accept that this is your fate? Or are you going to say, no, I'm a much better player than this. I need to be in the conversation much, much more. And if this is the one opportunity I have, I am going to take it and I'm going to prove it. So, you know, he's one player who didn't take advantage of his opportunity. The back four uh, as a whole, I, I thought was quite disappointing. You look at, I have to say that that first goal, it was a quality, quality volley from Luke Thomas. There's, there's, there's nothing you can take away from that. But how that opportunity gets created is beyond me. The positioning to where Tillemans is able to put in that ball. And then even when Tillemans is about to cross the ball, I'm looking in the box and I'm seeing Jamie Vardy wide open. I'm seeing Luke Thomas running in wide open. Where is the defense? Where is the help from the midfield? You look at Axel Twanzebe so far up the pitch. That's what sort of causes the imbalance for United in the first place. It was obviously, again, you attribute a lot of it to the fact that they haven't played together. But at the end of the day, when you get an opportunity like this, you definitely don't want to be seen on video like that. Because <laughs> you know Ole's going to show them the film. It was it was hard to, to watch at times. You were, I think your description of they were sixes and sevens at the back is so, is so apt for that one because there were wide open gaps all over the pitch at the back. You could see the lack of chemistry. And I know, you know, we're dissecting it and we know that they've never, they haven't played together, but there are certain things when you're a premier league player, things like positioning, you can't be that far out of position because at the very least you do have a voice and you can vocalize where you want your players to be. And it looked like everybody was just looking at the next person to tell them what to do. I thought, you know, by, you could tell, he was a cut above. You could see that he was trying to, to be in... He was in the right places for most of it and trying to... I think this is where you miss Harry Maguire's leadership capabilities because mm-hmm. he will vocalize, hey, you need to be five yards back or hey, Matic, I need you closer or Ahmad, make sure you're tracking back because Luke Thomas is open. These kinds of things were missing. And, you know, that's what sometimes you get when you you play a lot of youth in the team uh, which some some people are clamoring for, and these are some of the things that happen as a result. <laughs> now, one of the amazing youth players that has been coming along for United the last couple of years, he equalized for United just a few minutes later. Mason Greenwood, I mean, that boy, when when he's going, it's so exciting because you see the left foot, you see the right foot, the the way he's taking on defenders and running at them, the touches that he has. United had some great touch play where they were able to create space for themselves out wide. And one thing that really impressed me as well, now I know Luke Thomas is a pretty slight dude, but throughout the match, Ahmad Diallo, his willingness to take on physicality, invite it and cope with it, for me, is very encouraging. To be that young, I mean, he had no issues winning the ball, 
a 50-50 ball there with Luke Thomas and then teeing up Greenwood. We saw later at times in the match as well, just the composure. There was one where he received the ball deep Mm -hmm. and he invited the, the Leicester player to come at him and he just quickly spun around him, went ahead. And things like that, I think, are really encouraging from a young player. You know what? I would I would be afraid of his ankles because this guy looks like he can meg anybody at will. The way he his first touch, it's so silky that boy, this guy's he's a he's a real talent. And I just fear in games some some guys are not going to take too kindly to a meg or two, and he's going to get whacked. I can see him in training just megging everybody. So. Uh, I, I I think Vivek, your description of him having the composure is was bang on. This guy felt like he had so much time on the ball when he didn't, and he was able to just knock it past a player, run his heads up. He knows where to go, and that that was just a delight to watch. I was I was very very impressed with the way he played, and it's promising. You just wonder. Next season, when he's a little bit more comfortable, he's had some time to bed into the team because he only joined in January. Where is his place in this team if United go after a Jaden Sancho? Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked there. A lot of questions were asked when United conceded in the 60th, the 66th minute, rather. You look at a corner where United make a couple of substitutions. Elanga comes off. Marcus Rashford comes on. Mason Greenwood comes off. Edinson Cavani comes on. Rashford, his first task is to mark Soyonchu deep in the box. Soyonchu dusts him off his shoulder <laughs> like a little bit of dirt. Gets inside. Powers a header with Matic just, just not being anywhere near the play uh, or showing a willingness to be involved anyway. And... Uh, that gave Leicester the win, but what were your thoughts watching that goal? I mean, you you summarized it perfectly, Vivek. First of all, a substitution being made at that time, you're asking for trouble because it's hard. First of all, there's no Harry Maguire. There's nobody who's vocal enough to go and tell you where you need to stand. You're, you're playing with you know a, a completely different team. And then Matic. I mean, this this wasn't even... This was like a, a at the near post. This was at the far post. So... You, you're watching the ball travel all the way to you. So you get a complete picture of what's happening. You see a big bloke in Suyanchu jumping for this. The very least you need to do is jump for the ball. <laughs> That's number one. And he, he didn't do that. He just, he's like, all right, he's coming. I'm just going to take it. And that was the end of it. And it was bang in the back of the net. So it was poor, poor defensively all around. And United asked for trouble there, first of all, with that substitution. So... Uh, you know what? Uh, Leicester deserved it. They they had many more attempts on goal in the second half, and they were worthy of that two one lead. I feel for Matic a bit because that first half performance, and you know, he I felt like he faded a bit in the second half. But the way he, we we criticized Van de Beek for not doing enough on the ball, Matic on the ball, I thought was excellent. Um, this was, you know, frankly, if he played like that in the first half against Leicester in the FA Cup. Uh, quarterfinal, we might have seen a different result there, but wasn't to be. And uh, but you know, I, I do think we have to also recognize that he did put in a good performance in this one, wearing the captain's armband. Yeah, it was a tale of two halves for him. He played fantastically well in the first half, dominating the ball, 
and playing forward passes, United, when they were in possession, actually played a back three where Matic was in the middle of the two defenders. And yep. Mata kept coming to receive the ball, where I thought Dan- Donny could have done more to take that. In any case, Matic was spraying the ball well. So you're absolutely right. I was, you know, at the rate it was going, you know, Matic was in the conversation for the Cantona caller, but boy, did that change in the second half where he then became into the conversation for the Beckham boot, you know? So. <laughs> Definitely, uh, definitely a tale of two halves there. Shall we hand out some awards before getting to those big picture topics? Yeah. So, Vivek, who who did you have for the Cantona caller? For me, I'm going to go with Mason Greenwood because I thought he was outstanding. Obviously, he comes off to preserve his legs because United are in a busy period right now. I will give a shout out to Ahmad Diallo. He really impressed me. But Mason Greenwood, the form he's in right now, He's so good that, frankly, he does affect that big picture conversation of how we view that right wing. And especially now with Cavani signed, what the priorities are in terms of positions. That's a a good question, Vivek. I agree with you, by the way. I thought Mason Greenwood was the Cantona caller. You know, when he first joined the team, he was a boy amongst men. But today you look on the pitch and he was a man amongst boys because he definitely stood out. He looked like a vet playing on the team. Whenever he got the ball, he was just slaloming through, including for the goal where he just shimmied the defender and then put it into the corner of the net against a very good keeper. So fair play to Mason. And that's the scary part when you're a defender, right? Like, how do you... There's no way you can shade him. Left foot, he's lethal. Right foot, he's lethal. Like, as a defender, that is virtually impossible to defend, to defend when you consider the pace that he has as well yeah one-on-one you can you can kiss that goodbye to be honest and you know <laughs> you talk about that and then you you think about the cristiano ronaldo's and the messi's coming at you and you're one-on-one man oh man i would be looking for some corner to hide in because i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> now the beckham boot we did mention some poor performances was it donny van de beek that takes it for you you know what? At first, I wanted to give it to Donny van de Beek. But then thinking about it just a little bit more, he was not playing in his natural position. Secondly, mm-hmm. Juan Mata was also on the pitch, but he was pretty anonymous. <clears throat> and I think we're giving him a slight pass. But when you compare the two, they had very similar performances where it was a lot of nothing. And so that's why I think Donny doesn't get the boot. Who I was thinking of giving the boot to was Brandon Williams. I thought... He had a poor game. You talk about Luke Thomas being wide open. Well, what's Brandon Williams doing? Uh, there was He was out of position a lot of the time. And the reason I'm a little harsh on him is he had Premier League experience last season. He's played in some tough games. So this isn't anything new where he's got the jitters and he needs to get that out of his system. I just didn't think he was positionally at the races at all today. There were several instances where he was giving too much space or he was getting beat, he wasn't able to jockey the defender. And then one of his strengths, which is going forward, he had one good cross in the second half, but apart from that, I didn't see much else from him. So that would be my pick. What about you? I think you've made a very convincing argument, Carl, because I look at that performance, and I think you should pretty much be ashamed if you have a worse positional defensive performance than Alex Tellez. (laughs) 
tell us i mean since he's come to the club he had that early start where we were sort of seduced by his crossing ability i will say i mean that is something we see consistently right even in this match there was that one free kick that he had deep on the on the left side and he sent in an absolute beauty like the whip that he's able to generate it's something else and that value is immense but his positional awareness is terrible but looking at brandon williams i'm like what what are you paying attention to half the time because i i don't know if he is considering the wrong dangers as the main threat if you get what i'm saying yep and it just seems like there's a clear danger there's a fire over there but he's worried about you know a couple of random pebbles on the side (laughs) and it's like what are you doing i think he's ripe for a loan to the championship where he can ply his trade and learn a little bit more of what needs to be done i think that's the next step in his development i do not think he's ready for the first team or a backup at manchester united (laughs) yeah no i i think i'm with you on that one that's fair enough looking at the noisy neighbor carl going into this fixture i was terrified of what Ianacho might do because obviously he was incredible in that FA Cup fixture he has been on an absolute tear pretty much the best striker in the Premier League the last month and a half two months whatever it is Mm -hmm. but who stood out to you in this match well I wouldn't give it to Ianacho but I would give it to his Nigerian brother Wolford Ndidi Mm. He was outstanding and he kind of showed us a little bit of what Manchester United is missing. I mean, he definitely had that bite in the tackle. He was intercepting a lot of things. But after the interception, he was able to get the attack moving so quickly, passing it to Yuri Tillemans, who did the damage and was able to spray it out to the right in all Brighton or out to the left. And I thought that was very impressive. And he got them going a lot of the time. And, and that's why I thought Wolfred uh, is a good shout for uh, the noisy neighbor. What about you? I think Ndidi is a really good shout. I have to say, quietly, I have become very impressed over time. And I'm not talking specifically about this match, but just generally watching this match and just thinking about it big picture. I've become very impressed with the career that Mark Albrighton has built for himself. Because... You look at the role he has to play for this team. When Leicester have the ball, he has to bomb down that right side and help create chances from there. When Leicester don't have the ball, he has to serve as that right back. And because they, you know, they're primarily going with that three-back formation. And so I think he does a really, really effective job without necessarily getting any of the plaudits that he might deserve. And so... Uh, I would shout him out, but I think Wilfred and Didi, I mean, I would absolutely love to see him in a Manchester United uniform. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Leicester getting three points and possibly getting into the Champions League uh, hurts that <laughs> yeah. a lot. But uh, Ndidi, I mean, even, even that FA Cup fixture, he was excellent. So I have no issues giving the noisy neighbor to him. And, you know, I think this is a perfect segue into... The next topic of conversation, which uh, is how to catch Manchester City. Obviously, they've clinched uh, the Premier League now. Another title for them. Their fifth 
that's uh, a good tally. So, you know, quite a ways away from us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if the reality is they are the team of this decade, the team of at the very least the last five years because they've won three out of four now. And so how do you catch City? What, what are the positions that you were prioritized? Let's start there. What are the positions that you feel absolutely need to be upgraded as soon as the summer begins? I think we have to start with the centre-back. And I'll tell you why. The centre-back allows us to play more than one formation, which we're kind of stuck to right now. We have to play two defensive midfielders because the defend- the centre-backs need protection from pace and one-on-one capabilities. That's also what that does is if let's say you get a Pau Torres in. You now have a, a, a good centre-back pairing. You might only be able to play one defensive midfielder. You could potentially play a diamond formation, which suits Donny van der Beek a lot more than the current formation. So that might be another way for him to get into the team. So this has a lot of consequences, and that's why I believe you should prioritize a centre-back. The next position is you got to get a CDM in, who can play that one defensive midfielder as opposed to having to play two in Scott and Fred. And that one defensive midfielder better have some sort of attacking prowess to be able to switch it from defense to attack. And I think Declan Rice fits perfectly into that role. So those are my two priorities. Apart from that, honestly, I the the, the Cavani signing uh, over the week where Cavani extended his contract for the next 12 months has definitely thrown a wrench in what I thought would happen. I did think that United would be in the market for another striker. However, given Cavani resigning and Mason Greenwood's form, I now am not so sure what's going to happen up front. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think, Vivek? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I, I have to let you know, one of our listeners did let us know he was a bit disappointed with the last episode when we were talking about Cavani, the fact that uh, you didn't give us what has become the traditional El Matador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have. I should have given it. So uh, Mark, uh, let us know about that. All, obviously, all in good fun. Um, but looking at the positions, you know, I think you've raised a really important point of the trickle-down effect of addressing the center-back position. Because you think about this team, say you get the perfect center-back pairing for Harry Maguire, right? Mm -hmm. It allows you, even if you're sticking with this same formation, 4-2-3-1, it allows you to play Pogba in that deeper role where he'll presumably be in between the CDM and Bruno. Because now you have the two center backs that will say, okay, you know what? Paul Buck can go do his thing. We can handle the business. Because then you can play Rashford as well. Because what is this dilemma that we are starting to run into, right? Pogba plays his best on the left. Marcus Rashford plays his best on the left. Mason Greenwood plays his best on the right. And so a lot of times we've seen in the recent past where to fit Pogba at his best position. We're playing him on the left. Then we're playing Marcus Rashford on the right. And Mason Greenwood is being left out. Mm -hmm. But next season, if you are able to upgrade that center back, then you can look at a Pogba and say, okay, you play next to whoever the CDM is. We can leave Rashford out on the left. We can have Cavani up top. And we can have Greenwood on the right. So I think the trickle-down effect of that CB position is immense. 
And for Greenwood, this is why I look at next year as still another transitional year. Because I feel that the Cavani signing shows that they believe that let's give Greenwood that one more year to develop. And then maybe he'll be ready for that center forward position. Maybe you go get Sancho now, right? Mm -hmm. And that way, when the time comes, you have Sancho on the right, you have Greenwood in the middle, you have Rashford on the left, you have Ahmad Diallo backing up Sancho. You know, you have all kinds of options now. And when we talk about longevity in terms of a core being able to compete year after year, you look at the ages of Rashford and Greenwood and Sancho and Diallo. That is exciting in and of itself. Vivek, and you know, the more and more you've talked about Rashford on the left, Pogba on the left, I mean, you the trickle-down effect, you, you get a CDM, and now the formation becomes four at the back, you got a diamond in the middle, it could either be a wide diamond or a narrow diamond, and then you got two strikers up front. However, they don't have to play like two traditional strikers. You could have Marcus on the left who's shading, and then you have a Cavani. So it gives you so many options if you're just able to correct that. Now, the second part to all of this is squad depth. You look at what happened to Liverpool. I mean, they were the, the top team, barely even lost a game last season. All it took was, okay, Van Dijk going down, Joe Gomez going down, then them not having enough depth in center-back positions because they got rid of Lovren, then Henderson and Fabinho were playing, and then Henderson goes down. Liverpool didn't have any injuries to their attacking uh, midfielders or attacking strikers because they were banging in the goals last season. They still had the same players. However, they couldn't get going because they didn't have that depth. You look at United. If Harry Maguire goes down, if Bruno goes down, heck, even if Fred or Scott goes down, who's <laughs> coming in for these guys? We just don't have that. You saw a glimpse of what happens today. You're going to have a Bai and Twanzebe or a Bai and Lindelof at the back. Man, we're be lucky if we're finishing in the top four. Then you look at the CDM. You're going to have to get some youngster in. You don't have the depth there. The only places where you do have depth, for sure, is on that left-hand side where you've got Martial, you've got Rashford, you've got Pogba. And then, okay, Pogba and Donny can also play in the number 10 position if Bruno got injured. On the right-hand side, if a Mason Greenwood got injured, you've got Oniyama Diallo. That's why Sancho is so important. Right? So you've already talked about that. So not only from the trickle-down effect, but also from a depth. You saw Man City this season. Kevin De Bruyne, pivotal player for their team, went down for a lot of games. They did not miss him at all. Ilkay Gundogan came into the team and just went on this goal-scoring spree because he played in a much more forward-thinking position and was able to do the business. You look at Aguero barely playing a game, they didn't miss him at all. They changed their formation and it worked out. You look at Laporte, who is a pivotal player on their team. He was injured. John Stones comes in and is a player reborn. So you have all these different options that City has. And that's the difference between us right now. So I just want all the United fans out there to realize that, hey, we had a good season. But we were pretty lucky from an injury front as well. And the last bit that I would add to that is, I think if you look at Raheem Sterling's season on the whole, he hasn't had his prototypical season that he's had the last few. 
he did not have a great season. I mean, even recently, he's been coming off the bench, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I feel like the fact that they can overcome all these things shows that, you know, there's different levels to this. And so it's one thing to be able to get back into position to contend for the title for one season. It's another thing to become a perennial contender. Liverpool, obviously, when they're healthy, will be very dangerous. Chelsea, under Thomas Tuchel, have found another level, another gear. So they will be a legitimate threat next season. And United will have to see the work that they put in in the offseason to really be on that level. And Vivek, don't forget one thing. If Manchester City strengthen their left back and get an upgrade over Zinchenko and they get a replacement for Fernandinho, man, oh man, I don't know how anybody's going to catch them. So that's something else that's also food for thought because all the other teams are going to be improving even more. I mean, let's not forget there's a certain Lionel Messi who will be joining a new club as well. <laughs> man, <laughs> let's just hope. I mean, on one hand, I want to see him in the Premier League, but I do not want to see him with Manchester City. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Uh, this was a great conversation, Carl. And, and I mean, I think we're going to have full out off season discussions once we get there for now. I think we can just preview the Liverpool match coming up on Thursday. Now that we know that United went easy on Leicester, we know that there's going to be a full team ready uh, to face <laughs> Liverpool at Old Trafford uh, on Thursday. I assume that De Gea Getting the start in this match means that Dean Henderson will get the look against Liverpool. The back four, I think the interesting conversation is, you know, we've had long-term conversations about who should partner Harry Maguire, but now in the short term, in his absence, who partners Victor Lindelof? Eric Bay, no doubt mm -hmm. about it. I thought he played really well. I mean, we didn't talk that much about Twanzebe. Positionally, man, he was all over the place as well. And... He's He's got more years of experience compared to Brandon Williams. He had a loan spell with Aston Villa. I was actually shocked at the positioning he had on a couple of instances. His distribution was also lacking. I thought he was good at intercepting the ball. But apart from that, he has a lot of work to do. Luke Shaw will probably be back on the left. Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the right. Henderson and Big him. match. So <laughs> Scott and Fred, <laughs> yep. the usual suspects uh, in front of them. Bruno will start. Rashford will start. Is Cavani starting as the striker? Yeah, I think Rashford plays on the right. Cavani plays up top. And Paul Pogba plays on the left. Because Paul Pogba got a nice rest today. He didn't even come onto the field mm -hmm. at all. So I think it's pretty straightforward then, Carl. Yeah, a lot more straightforward than today. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that just about wraps it up for this episode. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.